Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ivoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have Marcus Holman. Marcus is a graduate of North Carolina. He currently plays lacrosse for the Ohio Machine. He's a member of Team USA and will compete in the World Games in Israel this summer. Marcus is from Baltimore, Maryland. He played lacrosse at Gilman High School. At UNC, he was the Rookie of the Year in 2010 and a two-time All-ACC player. He was a two-time All-American and a two-time Wharton Trophy nominee. At one point, he held UNC's all-time scoring record until 2015, where he was passed by Joey Sankey. He's an MLL All-Star and two-time member of Team USA. He currently holds the records for most goals in a single MLL game with 11. Today in the show, we got a chance to talk about his time as a young player in high school, his time at UNC, how he mentally prepares for games, and much, much more. Here's my interview with Marcus Holman. Marcus, welcome to the show, man. Joe, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Good to be here. I'm excited to talk. So let's get started. How'd you get started playing lacrosse? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I think I like to tell people that I was I was born into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad, Brian, played lacrosse at Johns Hopkins in, in the early 80s. He was a goalie there, a two-time All-American. And my mom also played at about the same time at Towson University. Uh, I think she led her team in, in scoring one year uh, in the early 80s. And, yeah, um, you know, growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, with, with two parents that played the sport, um, you know, I think I was given my first stick when I was pretty young and right. uh, kind of just went, went through the ranks of Kelly Post, uh, which is a rec, rec system in, in Baltimore. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, you know, just, just fell in love with the sport. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've loved ever since, and what, 20, 22 years later, we're um, still here and, and still able to play right. uh, professionally, which is, is pretty awesome. Right. So, so it sounds like a little bit you followed in your mom's footsteps rather than your dad. Your dad was the goalie. It sounds like your mom was the offensive player. Um, how, how did uh, how did that work out while you were growing up? <clears throat> yeah, well, I, my older brother, Matthew, uh, who's two years older than me, um, he he was actually a goalie. Uh, so he decided to follow in my dad's footsteps. Gotcha. And I think, you know, maybe I'm, I'm the only logical in our family that decided it's not really fun to stand in, in a net and get pelted <laughs> by a hundred mile an hour shot. Right. Um, and I, and I think I just, I always had a kind of a, maybe a knack for, for scoring goals and, um, you gotcha. know, playing attack in midfield, uh, whatever it was, I, you know, I liked to run down the field and, and, and throw the ball in the back of the net. So gotcha. <laughs> that's kind of the way. 
gotcha. I guess my, my career unfolded. Gotcha. So so as you were growing up, um, did you play any other sports or was it mostly mostly lacrosse? Uh, I, I played everything. Anything yeah. I could compete in, um, I was playing. You know, I right. think um, at a young age, you know, experimenting with soccer and, and even ice hockey, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we – my parents were fortunate enough to, to have a summer house in a little community called Sherwood Forest, which is, is based in Annapolis, Maryland. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was able to play a lot of tennis and a lot of golf and, you know, ping pong, badminton, whatever it was, right. you know, I was out there running around um, trying to play it. And then as I grew up and got older, uh, y- you know, the, the sports kind of, matriculate seasonally and right. so I was a football basketball lacrosse guy in high mm-hmm. school so I was a three-sport athlete right. um I didn't play basketball my senior year just because I didn't think the program at our, at our school was in a really good spot and I wanted to prepare for my my last year of, of um high school lacrosse but gotcha. yeah I mean I, you know playing playing all those sports 100 percent impacted the the career that I was able to have as a lacrosse player you know I think right you learn toughness and, and grit from playing football. You know, mm-hmm. you learn footwork and, you know, how to play defense and how to play picks by playing right. basketball. Um, I think you learn a little patience and mental toughness playing a sport like golf. Um, hmm. So I think to, to any young players out there, I mean, you know, playing playing multiple sports is, is very important in your development as an athlete. And like I said, it, it definitely holds true um, as I'm right. in my sixth year playing professionally. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I totally agree. What, what I always remember, um, you know, from when I was playing high school is the thing that stuck out to me is, uh, you know, obviously their football. So I played football, basketball and lacrosse in high school too. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I know where you're coming from in terms of the toughness and, and sort of the athletic ability with basketball. But the thing that always stuck out to me is, um, you know, may, maybe you were the guy in all three of those sports, right? But I, I definitely wasn't. We had at St. Anthony's, we had, uh, you know, the best running back in Long Island um, while I was there, you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't the guy that the ball was going to every time in football. And the same with basketball, right? You know, I, was, uh, I, I wasn't the guy that they were giving the ball to when there was 10 seconds left, uh, you know, on the clock. But what that taught me was a different perspective um, from when I was playing that, you know, it taught me how to be a better teammate, right? It taught me how to, uh, it gave me perspective of other people on the team and what, you know, sort of role players are supposed to be like and how you're supposed to, you know, think about things when you're not the one where the ball is coming to you every single time. So it just gave me a different perspective. But um, I know exactly what you're talking about with, uh, with um, you know the different aspects of of each sport, um, yeah, Joe, and I, and I'll just piggyback off you there. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I think so many kids today, uh, you know, just want to specialize and just play lacrosse because right. they are really really good at it. And like you said, you know, being that you know I'm way with you in basketball, I was a sixth man mm-hmm. off the bench, right? And my role was to just play really tough defense and like you know, hit, hit a corner three or two, you know, I wasn't the point guard, right. You know, running the show the entire game. I was, mm-hmm. I was a substitute guy and, you know, football, I, w- I was a starter, but, um, I, you know, it was more of a role position. It was like strong safety and, 
um, just, just, you know, playing special teams and stuff like that. And then it's funny, even through my high school career, uh, being surrounded by so many players, I think, you know, my senior year, this is a small number now, but we had seven division one recruits in my class at Gilman mm-hmm. and being surrounded by so much talent, you know, again, sometimes the ball wasn't my stick at the end of the game, but you know, you learn, you know, how to feed off other players and, and right. you know, how to make the right pass and how to like time up a clear through cut, like right. learning those little skills is, is really important. So I, I, that's a great point that you make just about right. playing for their sports. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's an important skill to learn for kids who are going, um, you know, going from high school to college where in high school, yeah. you know, chances are they're going to be, you know, the guy on their team. But when they get to college, unless they're like, unless they're a player that comes along, you know, every one, a thousand kids, they're not going to be the kid who the ball is running through their freshman year. Right. It's just very unlikely that that's going to happen. So you right. need to learn how to, you know, how to play your role, how to maybe take a second seat um, to certain players. So uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely an important skill to learn, but um, so getting back to uh, you as you're growing up, um, you know, we, we talked about your mom, we talked about your dad, uh, who were some of the the players that you looked up to as you were growing up that maybe you tried to emulate your game after? Definitely. Uh, I, I think the first one and, and the most obvious one that you probably get from a lot of, you know, offensive minded players my age was, was Mikey Powell. Right. Um, you know, just, just watching his two minute and 34 second highlight tape over and over and over again, and just going <laughs> right. out my backyard Right. And working on that dip and dunk or, you know, working on that, that finalizer move where he, you know, crosses Jack Reed up um, right. and makes him fall over the back of the goal. So he was the guy that like, like I saw those clips and was like, wow, this, this sport can be incredible. Right. Um, and then I think, you know, as you mature and you grow up and, you know, I'm, I'm not the fleetest of the foot. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it has the quickness that, that Mikey Powell does, but right. um kind of look for other players that maybe you, you can model your, your skill set after. So a guy that I loved and watched a lot too, his name was Adam Doniger. I'm sure you, right. you probably remember him. Yeah, um, an attack, attackman midi from Johns Hopkins, like kind of thick right-handed shooter, right. um, really good off-ball player. He was a guy I loved to watch uh, when I was younger. Yeah, And then, of course, like, you know, Kyle Harrison is was is so iconic with the, his split dodge and, you know, the way that he kind of changed dodging a little bit uh, from the right. midfield position. He was he was awesome. Um, you know, Paul Rabel, even into my, my high school years, was a guy that I, I've watched a lot. And mm-hmm. last but not least, I'd say, I think Matt Ward, um, hmm. another great Virginia attackman that really just, just was so fundamental and, and skilled with both hands and, and just kind of, always seemed to be in in control of, of what he wanted to do. And um, those are, you know, those were a couple of guys that I loved and right. watched for sure. Right. I tried to, you know, take pieces of their game and, and put it into my own. Yeah. Can, can you talk about what you did sort of to emulate those players? You know, like what was it watching film and then, you know, going to the backyard and trying to do what they did? Yeah. So definitely with the, the Mikey Powell stuff, mm-hmm. you know, watching his, his YouTube highlights, uh, and going immediately into my backyard and like just trying to do what he could do over and over again until right. it felt comfortable. And then, you know, you practice it so many times and then it comes time for, for a game. And, you know, I, there's an element of risk there where you have to kind of just 
you got to be aggressive and go for it and trust your, your training and right. you know, hope that it, it translates from mm. the practice field onto, onto the game field. Right. Um, and then again, as I mentioned, growing up in Baltimore, I was so fortunate to, you know, we lived three or four miles from Homewood Field. Mm-hmm. So every Saturday in the spring, I was down, you know, I was at every single Hopkins game 45 minutes before the game started watching warm-ups right. and watching those guys play. And like, you know, watching Paul Rabel step down and just like hit corner after corner after corner, mm-hmm. you know, as the stands started to fill up, like those, that's what kind of sparked my love for lacrosse and like i was like dang i you know i want to be one of those guys one day playing in front of five or six thousand people in college so right um yeah gotcha gotcha so uh so you know once you're in high school what were some of the things that you did to get noticed as a player right how how did you stand out from the crowd yeah i think i mean i I, you know i I think it, it does go back to to the fundamentals um you know, being fundamentally sound, shooting the ball overhand when you you have a, you know, an eight or 10 yard shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, I was never, and, and I'm still not the, the flashiest player. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to say I'm a, I'm a substance over style guy. Right. Um, so things like picking up ground balls and riding mm-hmm. were things that, you know, just instilled in me from, from my, my dad were little things that could get you on the field and make a difference. And I actually do remember when I got recruited by Johns Hopkins, coach Petromala emailing me saying, you know, Hey, I just love the way that you rode for the entire game. Like that's one of the reasons we're, we're actually recruiting you. Right. Um, which is, it, you know, to me, I just thought like everybody rode really hard and everybody picked up ground balls. But then as I got older, you realize that like some players don't do that. Right. Um, so just trying to be good at those those skills that necessarily don't take talent, you know, like mm-hmm. I mentioned riding ground balls, like communicating, setting good picks, you know, backing up the cage and attacking, like right. so doing those little things and trying to make my, my teammates better, I think allowed me maybe to, to, to get recruited and right. um, to, to play in, in college. Right. Right. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like you focused on the, on the foundational elements and then you built upon that, right? Which, which I, I'm, you know, I'm sure coaches preach this, but I'm not sure that a lot of players understand that, right? Where there are right. there are foundational elements of of the attack position, right, and of the midfield position, and then of the defensive position, and those are the things that you have to figure out and learn uh, before you can learn anything else, and that's what makes you a whole attackman or a whole midfielder right. or a whole defense. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. It's like, you know, like building a house, you got to have the foundations laid in place before you can put in the the glass windows or the the really cool sauna in the bathroom, stuff like that. Right. Right. That's a a good point. You know, I mean, like, and then you you just build off those fundamentals, right? Right. So like, you know, you turn the cage, you turn the corner earlier in the game and you fake high, you shoot low, you score. Mm -hmm. And then like the next time you do it, like you come around and, and you work on the dip and dunk. So it's like fake high, fake low, finish right. high. And then right, you, right. like you said, you start, you know, compiling those skills and, and piecing them together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you can really, you know, complete your, your skill set as an attack. Man. Right. Right. And what, what I always, uh, you know, thinking back to when I was playing, what, what uh, the biggest lesson that I learned was like, 
when you when you work on something like say an overhand set shot you you know you do it say like a hundred times right and each time it's getting better and better until you, you know you're like all right i have this overhand set shot down and then you you know just for sake of example you say all right i'm going to work on my you know running overhand shot when mm-hmm. you do that running overhand shot you realize like wow my running overhand shot is better than it was before i started the set shot so it's like it's not that you're starting from ground zero when you do a running shot it's that like you're already halfway there because of the foundational yeah. elements that you built with that overhand shot right so exactly yeah right so um so so let's uh let's move on uh to your college career what made you decide on unc yeah so like i mentioned i was i was fortunate enough to get recruited and i narrowed the list down to, to four schools uh that i all visited so those were johns hopkins uh notre dame princeton and north carolina mm-hmm. uh north carolina was actually my first visit and i just distinctly remember leaving the campus and maybe it was because it was my first visit, but I just remember leaving and, and having a really, really good feeling in, in my heart about, right. you know, this is, this is where I can see myself um, for the next four years. And I think um, anybody that, that, you know, has gone to North Carolina or, you know, visited there uh, as an athlete or not, will tell you that I think it gives you a really well-rounded college experience. I think mm-hmm. you get challenged academically, which I was, you, you know, from my perspective, you get a really fun lacrosse environment, you know, playing in the ACC, playing in big time games mm. um, and the chance to, to, at that time, turn the UNC program around. Right. And then from a social scene, you know, it's awesome. You have Franklin Street and um, you have a lot of competitive sports on campus. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the UNC women's soccer program, you look at the basketball team is, is perennially in the top 10. Um, the football team is, is competitive in the, you know, the, the combination of being able to go to a basketball game, uh, against Duke, you know, right. being able to go to a big football game on Saturday, like those aspects. Are I'm, I'm, I think I made the right decision. And right. <laughs> I think those were, those were some of the factors that, that played in, right. in my decision to go to UNC. Right. If, um, so if, if you don't mind me asking, you know, you mentioned your dad played at Hopkins. Was it? Was it hard making that choice, uh, UNC over Hopkins? Because, like we talked about, I sort of had to make I, – I made the same choice when my dad went to UNC and I chose to go to Virginia, and that was tough. I wanted to go to UNC my yeah. whole life. So was it the same sort of push and pull for you? It, it's funny, actually. I, I can understand where you could see that being like a, a tough thing for him or for me, but mm-hmm. – he actually was, was almost encouraging me to, to, you know, my own path and right. um, explore different avenues. Uh, you know, again, nothing against Johns Hopkins, but I, I think, like I, I mentioned, talking about UNC, you get maybe a broader college experience at a big state school like, like North Carolina than you do mm-hmm. uh, at Johns Hopkins, which is, is smaller. And, um, you know, I think – while Hopkins does have its pros, I think one of the pros being that like lacrosse is the main sport on campus and you get 8,000 right. people at your home games. I think I'm not, I'm not sure the full college experience. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't compare <laughs> in right. my opinion. Right. Um, so he was, you know, it wasn't, he, 
supportive of me no matter what. Um, right. You know, I don't, I don't think his, his ego was, was going to let, um, my decision, you know, get in his way or, or whatever. So right. it wasn't, it wasn't very difficult. He was, he was really supportive of, of whatever gotcha. I would have chosen. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, I was hoping that was going to be your answer. That was, that was mm-hmm. sort of the same thing with my dad. It was the exact same thing where it was, it was very much just like, Hey, this is your thing. You know, you need to forge sort of your own path here. Um, the decision is totally up to you, you know, and I think that's, I think that that's so important, right? It, it's, it, that's like such an important part, especially in a sport like lacrosse where everything is so tight knit, you know, there's a lot of people who play lacrosse because their parents played lacrosse, you know, it like sort of runs in the family. Um, I think it's super important to, uh, you know, obviously parents are very, very passionate about their kids, but, yeah. um, you know, they need to, uh, you know, sort of be willing to like step aside and say, Hey, this is, this is your choice. This is what you're actually doing with your life. Right. Correct. Right. Exactly. Right. So, uh, so when you got on UNC's campus, um, you know, that freshman year, did you feel like it was a fit right away? Yeah. You know, I, I felt good about it again. Um, it, it was kind of an interesting situation. I was, I was able to commit, I think junior so by today's standards, that would be like late. But right. Back then, with, with um, you know some of the other kids I was playing with in Maryland, mm-hmm. and in the following year, um, I mentioned my dad had had quit his job as a as a mortgage owner and mm-hmm. um, decided to jump back into to coaching full time. He was able to, to finagle a meeting with with. Um, coach Joe Bresci who had who had just been hired at UNC hmm. um and was able to, to to join the staff in that year and a half after I committed so many things happened like the coach that I committed to UNC under coach John Halls was was no longer there uh coach oh, wow. Bresci had been hired and my dad had joined the staff so like <laughs> when I stepped on campus as a freshman um I did feel comfortable because, you know, my dad was on the staff. Now, even though he was coaching the defense and the goalies um, and we weren't really interacting, you know, on the practice field per se, it was nice mm-hmm. just having him there right. um, because I think any anybody that's ever met him knows that his coaching style, it's about way more than just lacrosse. It's more like he's more of a life coach and a motivator right. than he is like an X's and O's guy. So. Hmm. Um, you know, coming in and being able to pass the run test, which was a big deal at the time at UNC. Um, right. and then, and then I was able to, to select my Jersey number, which in high school I wore 17 and that was kind of what I was hoping I could wear at UNC, but, uh, that, that Jersey was taken and, mm-hmm. uh, a player by the name of Bart Wagner had recently graduated and he wore number one. So mm-hmm. In light of that and wanting to have the career that, that Bart did, I, I picked number one and hmm. um, it kind of just set in motion a pretty good uh, turn of events for the next right. four years. So, yeah. Huh. So so a, a couple questions. Can you – what was the run test? Can you tell uh, the, so the listeners run, what that was? Yeah, the yeah. run test for us when we came back in September was – it was on the track and it was running a mile and a half in nine minutes. Um, mile and, okay. 
which is like, you know, again, that's a six minute mile pace, but, but for an extra half mile there. So pretty, right. pretty challenging. Um, you know, again, I, I was able to, our family had moved to Chapel Hill because of my dad taking the mm-hmm. job. Right. So during that summer going into my freshman year, I was just like living on a lacrosse field and living in the weight room. Right. Um, okay. No, I, I think, uh, that might be a part of my career that sometimes I, I overlook is that during the summers when I was in college, I was working out at a really constant rate and it allowed me to improve during the summertime. Whereas maybe you know, summers might've been relaxing or working jobs. You know, I was just coaching lacrosse camps and, and working out. Hey guys, I just want to jump in quick to make sure you know about game changer team manager. Coaches, you can ditch the emails and spreadsheets when it comes to managing your team. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one incredibly easy-to-use app. No more sending out mass emails or texts to communicate game or practice changes. Keep everyone on the same page with the Game Changer Team Manager app. And like I said, best of all, it's totally free. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. So, you know, this might be a hard question to answer, but uh, it sounds like when when you were going to UNC, a lot of things were changing. Was there, uh, you know, did you ever sort of, you know, get worried that, you know, maybe this wasn't the right choice or, you know, maybe I wasn't going to go to UNC. Obviously coach Bressy, coach Bresci has nothing but a, a great reputation. Um, you know, so I'm sure him being hired was just, you know, another great thing about UNC, but, uh, was there any, was there ever any sort of hesitation when a lot of things were changing before you actually got there? Um, no, I think so. So when I, again, when I decided to commit to UNC and I think I received this advice along the way mm-hmm. uh, during the, the recruiting period was that, you know, you don't choose a school based off the coach. Right. right? So, right. Um, you know, while I did really like coach Hawes uh, and, you know, his son, John and I were, were to, to play together in college, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't the, the reason that I committed to UNC. Um, so when the coaching change happened, you know, it, it was a little bit shocking, but, you know, I, I still felt confident in, in, you know, the pros and cons list that I made and, and the, the reasons that I wanted to go to UNC were, were still the same. Right. Um, right. but I, I kind of knew that, you know, again, doing, doing my homework during the recruiting process, I knew that, um, like I mentioned, Bart Wagner with him graduating, that there would be an open spot at the attack. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I wasn't maybe necessarily confident, but I at least knew that I would be given the opportunity to compete to be a starter, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is also an important um, thing to look at when when you're being recruited. So right. all those factors combined, you know, it, it led me to be confident about my decision. And, and even though, like you said, things were a little bit in turmoil, um, you know, I was always. Um, I always felt good about my decision to go there. Right. right. That I think that that is such a good point, right? Like you need to you need to go to a school because you're going to that school, not because you're going right. for a coach or you're going for 
um, you know, to play lacrosse on a specific team. Obviously, exactly. those are very important factors, but the one constant that's going to be there no matter what happens, no matter how your career goes, is the school that you're actually going for. Um, so right. it's, uh, I think that's that's a great point. Um, so can you, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say another really kind of cool piece of advice that I heard after the fact was, you know, when you're deciding on a, on a college, um, you know, that's, that's not a four year decision. It's a 40 year decision, right? You're going to make friends that are going to be friends with you for the rest of your life. Um, you're going to network, you're going to be able to meet people and and 40 years down the road, you know, you want to be proud uh, of the school that you chose and, and, be able to look back on it with, with really positive memory. So right. I think that was a cool piece of advice that I heard. Um, yeah. I think it was after I had graduated, but I, it still resonates with me. About right. that, yeah. That's a great point. And actually, I mean, you know, and Carolina is one of the best point, uh, one of the best places for that. Right. I, I didn't even go to Carolina and I made contacts through that school <laughs> just for my cousins and my dad going, um, you know, that I'm, that I'm still friends with and still can reach out to you on a moment's notice. Um, that's how great, the alumni program is there. Right. Right. Um, so can you talk about, uh, can you talk a little bit about what you did as a player to continue to improve, uh, you know, while you're at UNC? Yeah. So I think obviously, you know, going from, from high school to college is a tough transition. I think for, for any player, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think being able to play in the MIAA in Baltimore allowed me to, maybe be a little bit more comfortable with the speed of play. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, again, I, I knew that, and I, I, I've always known this, that I'm, I'm not the most talented player, but I mm-hmm. like to think that I, you know, my work ethic has allowed me to, to, to put myself in, in positions to be successful and has allowed me to maybe gain a, a mental edge right. uh, against my opponent. So I was the guy that was staying after to shoot, um, and even if it was only five or 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. you're still, it, it, that, that adds up and you do it and then three weeks and then a month. Next thing you know, you know, you take a more shot, your opponent or your, your teammate that you're competing against for, for a starting spot. Right. Um, so that was important. And then, you know, staying after in the weight room as well. And, and, it was the same deal with jumping rope or getting in the ladder and doing footwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I look back to my freshman year and I think about a guy like Sean Delaney uh, who played there and, and was just a great captain and a great leader and a guy that was really pushing um, players to, to step outside their comfort zone and, and really push themselves to, to the max and work really hard. So right. um, I'm grateful for a guy like that. Um, and again, you know, my, my dad, being there and, and, you know, getting in my ear, maybe as a father, you know, after practice and saying, Hey, did you get your extra work in? Or, you know, what are you doing to to separate yourself? Right. Um, Right. So yeah, that was, that was, I think the difference maker for me. Right. Right. So um, I think I understood the point that you were making, but you broke up a little bit, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, I do want to make sure that you make this point. I, I think what you were saying is, you know, after practice, you get, you know, five to 10 minutes of shots in those build mm-hmm. upon each other. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So right. if it's only 10 minutes after practice, but you do it every day, right? you know, those, those, you know, 100 shots 
right. by the end of the week, that's, that's 500 shots by the end of the month, that's 2000 shots. And by the end right. of five months, that's 10,000 shots. So it's exactly. like, you know, those, those numbers continue to build on top of each other. And if you're, you're not committed to doing that, then, then you're losing out on opportunities to improve your skills and get better. Right. Absolutely. I, I think that's such an important, such an important point to make. I wanted to make sure that was, uh, you know, everybody could hear that. Um, can you, can you talk about, um, how you balanced school and lacrosse while you're, while you're at UNC? Cause this is one thing that I think it's really important for kids to understand is that, um, you know, you are, I, I was literally talking about this yesterday with somebody when you are a student athlete, you're literally, you're, you're going to be working. There's no way around it. 8 a.m. to sometimes 10 p.m. every single yeah. day. Um, and yeah. I just want to hear you talk about how you balance school and lacrosse. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think, I think another thing some kids don't realize is, is how much of a, of a time commitment division one right. lacrosse is right. um, and how, tiring at times it can be on a on an 18 year old that's mm-hmm. like i said transitioning from from high school to college so we everything we did at unc was in the morning so we couldn't have classes before 11 a.m mm-hmm. so you know let's say most of the time i was probably up at around 7 a.m mm-hmm. and you know some days we would have practice some days we would have practice and then immediately following that we'd go into the weight room and lift Right. So you're putting your body through, you know, almost probably two and a half to three hours of, of taxing physical work. Right. And then with that as your base, you have to go and take, you know, three classes um, from, you know, ranging from 11 a.m. to, to 4 or 5 p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the occasional night class if you sign up for those. So right. it is, yeah, it's it's like a, like you said, a, a, a nine to five job, quote unquote. Um, right, right. And yeah, that's, to be able yeah, just, I think a, a key with that freshmen at UNC are required to, to have study hall. So you have to log right. in six hours per week, right. uh, which again, that helps kind of keeps you balanced and keep you organized. Mm-hmm. And then throughout my career, I was just kind of, I kind of just stuck by that pattern. You know what I mean? So like, instead of when my classes were done, just like going home and sitting on the couch and watching TV, I tried to, get all my work done for the next day or like get all my homework done or reading done. So then when I could finally like pick my shoes off, like I could actually chill out and enjoy right. some relaxation. So right. um, I know that I know the word time management gets thrown around a lot, but that is really yeah. what it comes down to. Um, 100%. You know, and, and, and sacrifice. I think that's mm-hmm. another word that maybe doesn't get used as much as it should. You've got to sacrifice video games you got to sacrifice you know maybe going on dates or, or being in a relationship um right. if you want to be a really good if you want to be a really great lacrosse player and a really great student so right um, right to, to be honest looking back i wish i, I dedicated some more time to, to the classroom right. i think my my overall gpa could have been higher if i was um maybe a little bit more diligent in my senior year but um right. hindsight's 2020 and right yeah Yeah, i feel like you know players every single player in the history of the sport is going to look back and say something similar to that right i wish i i wish i had done this i wish i had done that no matter what even if you did it perfectly you're still going to look back and be like ah 
I wish, you know what, I should have spent a little bit more time in the gym, right? It's just right, like, right. you know, exactly. the nature, right? But, you know, so one thing that, uh, you know, you mentioned time management, um, you know, and, and like I said, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, you know, just trying to think through the hours that are involved as a student athlete, right? So, I mean, at, at minimum, you're probably doing three hours of class um, every single day, right? That doesn't include any sort of travel that needs to happen in between those classes. And you have two hours of two hours of practice most time, which really sort of blocks out to like a three hour block. Cause you got to get there, you got to stretch, you know, all that stuff. Then it's, uh, you know, weight room, which is, you know, I'll say another hour. Then that's not including study hall. Like you mentioned, that's not including any sort of, uh, any sort of, um, rehab that you might have to do. Um, that's not including any of the studying that you have to do for classes or, or any of the extra work that you have to do. So it really is, um, a lot to take in. And, uh, the one thing that I learned, and I wish I would have learned this, uh, you know, in college, I learned it afterwards was you got to look at your day and you have to say, you know, you mentioned time management. You have to say like, here are the things that I have to do every single day and I have to do them before I relax or take off or, uh, you know, can really like turn, turn it off for the day. Um, these are the major things that no matter what I have to do every single day. And that, you know, if you go through that, you think like, all right, I have practice, I have class, I have study, I have rehab. Okay. I've done all that stuff. Now I can put in some extra time. Now I've done all that. Yeah. Now I can relax. Right. It's, uh, right. right. It's, um, it's, uh, it's difficult, but it's, it's what you got to do. Like you said, sacrifice. Yeah. And it's, and it's, at the end of the day, it's rewarding, right? right. And, and, you know, you're competitive. I'm very competitive and, and I wanted to win every single game that I played in at UNC. But like looking back on it, you know, those, those life tools that you learn along the way mm-hmm. and the sacrifices that you make, you know, when, right. you, when you see, when you see the extra reps that you're taking after practice pay off right. on game day you know, you learn that skill of, Hey, you know, a little bit of extra work in anything in life will, will right. yield results. Um, right. when it comes, when it comes down to business, you know, if, if you didn't prepare for the presentation that you're about to give in front of 200 people, right. you're not going to do well. You know, if right. you prepared and you recited and you rehearsed it, then, you know, it, it'll go better than, than it would have the other way. <laughs> right. No, that, that's so a, the, that's skills. a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, uh, you know, can you talk about your transition from college to MLL? Was it a tough transition or was it easy for you? Yeah, I, th- I think, I don't know if, if tough, the, the right word, maybe just like I opening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know, you, you complete a, a four year career at, at a place like UNC and, um, you know, my senior year was, was the best team that, that we had. And we went on a 10 game winning streak. We were number one in the country. Uh, we, and we were, you know, we get to the quarterfinals and we, we blow a second half lead to Denver and we lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that was on a Sunday and then Thursday night, uh, I'm suiting up in a different color Jersey and I'm ready to play against some grown men. Right. <laughs> so you go from kind of like the big dog right. on campus to just another little fish in the pond and, Right. Um, you know, for, for me, it was a transition from, you know, 
my jersey being laid out and snacks and, and you know things kind of being catered to you at a high end Division One school like UNC to to um, you know a franchise that we ended up being two and twelve that year um, right. in 2013 and and so you kind of went it, it wasn't tough it was just like I said a little eye opening and um, you've got to adjust to the speed you've got to adjust to, to long sticks absolutely hammering your forearms and. Right. Uh, you've got to adjust to guys picking off passes and you got to adjust to goalies that aren't going to fall for the first fake that you throw. Right. So those little adjustments um, were, were definitely challenging along the way. And um, I actually, you know, got thrown on, onto a team where I was p- playing midfield for, for most of the year, yeah. which again was another transition for me. But again, like I, I think I just, I'm fortunate that I've taken the mindset where I just, take that stuff as a challenge and embrace it. You know what I mean? Like playing midfield my rookie year, I think maybe helped me understand how defenses are set up differently and and how a slide can be different from that point of view. So um, it was challenging for sure, but um, you know, I think it was fun at the same time. Right. Can you talk a little bit about, um, this might be a different, uh, difficult question to answer, but you know, uh, the change of speed, you know, uh, the goalies that don't fall for the first fake. Um, can you talk, uh, what did you do to help make that transition or to, to get used to that? Right. Cause I, I, I know what you're talking about and it's absolutely jarring, but what does a player do or what should a player do to get through that transition? Yeah. I think again, watching film is, is important when it comes to that level. Um, you can, you can pick up on goalies tendencies, I think a little bit. Right. Um, but again, you, you know, you just got to continue to work and get back to it. I think, uh, again, professional lacrosse right now in, in the outdoor ranks, we're not at a point where we can just play mm-hmm. full time and, and make a living off that. Right. So a lot of other guys are working jobs. Um, and at the time I, I was kind of uncertain about what my career path was going to be. So I just, dove back into training uh Mm -hmm. to be in a really good shape to be able to make plays in the fourth quarter where you know a guy that maybe works um you know you know 10 hours a day up in new york city maybe he's his legs are a little tired in in the second half of the game and i'm i'm able to make the play there because of the training that i've done um -hmm. and i think for for me specifically it was like developing a little bit more range on my shot um you know maybe adding like a half, um, a half notch of whip on my stick that allowed me to do that, and like adjusting to that accordingly. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so I want to make sure I have this correct. So, uh, a, a few weeks ago, you now have the single goal record for. Is it eleven goals? <laughs> In the MLL? It was 11. Yeah. It was 11. So, so I, I actually don't even know if it was the record that you broke, but I was on the field for another record um, that came before that, which was 10 goals in a single game by Ryan Powell um, mm-hmm. when he was on, when he played for San Francisco, which was just, uh, it just seemed like every time he turned around, he was there for another goal. Um, but obviously that's an amazing achievement. Um, and we can talk about that in and of itself. But one thing that I saw after that game was I saw that you tweeted out, you mentioned that meditation played a big role in your growth. 
um, recently. Is that correct? I, I want to make sure that I actually have that correct. I, I couldn't find the tweet afterwards before this, but is that right? I think, I think, so like just studying the, the mental side of, of competition and the mental side of, um, we can, we can dive into that, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I think two years ago, John Grant, I was on the field for John Grant Jr. When he had 10, um, he had 10 goals against the Wizards. And I was, you know, I think I I set him for a couple. Looking back on that, like, he's got the hot hand. Hey, just, you know, feed the ball to Jr. Um, And and some of his goals were were more impressive than mine, some more unassisted goals. But, (laughs) you know, when when I – it's funny, right? Because again, being a competitor and being a leader, like you know, we're, the the machine are we're two and two right now. We have a huge game this weekend, so like my focus, I can't really be caught like thinking about that game per se, just because I'm right. I'm forward thinking. I want to whatever the next challenge is. Like I want to go after that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I you know when I look back on it one day, you know, I, I guess you just get in the zone and you get lucky. I mean, like. I don't know. I, my my teammates were, were finding me all over the field. They they threw some incredible passes to me, guys like Tom Schreiber and, and Jake Bernhardt and right. um, Connor Canizzaro. So, hmm. you know, I, I think you get lucky, like eighteen shots, uh, right? <laughs> which is crazy. That's like that's so many shots for, for an outdoor game. I, yeah, um, I don't honestly. I, I don't think I've ever taken eleven shots in a game. I mean, I've definitely yeah. never come close to right. uh, eleven goals. Um, it's, right. uh, it's incredible. Oh, wait. So, sorry. How many shots did you take? I took eight. I was 11 for 18 shooting. 11 for 18. That, yeah. that is absolutely incredible. Um, right. so, so can you talk about, um, so I, 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 I want to make sure I heard you right. You said it, it wasn't meant uh, meditation. It was the mental side of the game yeah. that you tweeted about. Um, gotcha. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah. I think just, again, as I've grown, like, I've learned so much that I wish I, you know, I, I would have known when I was in college. Um, you know, there, there were times I just remember at North Carolina where, you know, I, I'm a passionate player. Like I, you know, we've, we've talked about lacrosse for, for an hour now. I could probably talk about it for, for five hours and, right. you know, I, I, I've, it, the sport means a lot to me. I care a lot about, um, you know, respecting the game and playing it the right way. And, and I want to, be a great teammate and be a, be a winner. So I think I wore all that so much on my sleeve. Like I, I was just so emotional when I would play and, you know, right. I didn't have a goal in the first quarter, you know, it would, my, I'd be gripping my stick a little bit tighter right. or if things were going the way, the right way early, you know, it, it would, it would be, you know, maybe like a full on freak out at halftime or stuff like that. But I think right. as I grew and just read more, and just learn and just watch other athletes. You know, I like, I just think about a guy like Roger Federer, right? Like how mm-hmm. in control of his emotions he is throughout, right. you know, maybe a four hour tennis match. Um, right. You know, right. And, and picking up on being a little bit more even keeled and not focusing so much on the outcome of the game, but focus just on the process of making the next play or, or, you know, if, if we call a timeout and we have the ball, just executing, what, right. what the specific play that's drawn up is. Um, and if you do that over and over again, like the outcome will take care of itself. Hopefully you, you put yourself in a position to win the game, but 
Right. Um, a, a book that I, I've recommended to hundreds of people is, is called The Mindful Athlete by George Mumford. Right. George Mumford was a he's a psychologist. He was the guy that worked with uh, Phil Jackson and the Lakers um, hmm. with with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and, and kind of you know uh, he's a sports psychologist that worked with them on you know the, the mental aspect of the game and reading that gotcha. book just kind of it, it just I learned a couple things and I, I've did them it helps um, and it just allowed me not to be so drained towards the end of games you know what I mean like right. So, you know, um, right. that, that's been important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's, it's important for athletes to hear that, right. We're mm-hmm. so like hardwired to just be, um, you know, taught like hard work and physicality and, and reps and everything that we've talked about in the past hour, but like, right. Who's, who's teaching you like how to compete or how to respond if, if things aren't going your way early. Um, right. And if you're someone that is really passionate, like it can be tough to to control those emotions at times. Right. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. What's actually, what happened to me was I I sort of went, um, for, for me at my freshman year in Virginia, which was arguably like my best year in college, I distinctly remember, um, I figured out that, um, when something went wrong, like, you know, the example that you gave when the first quarter goes by and you don't have a goal mm-hmm. in high school, I remember freaking out a little bit. I know exactly what you're talking about. You start gripping your stick yeah. a little bit more and you start worrying about like, all right, I got to get on the board here. I got to do something. Yeah. Right. And, right. And and I remember my freshman year, I, I, I somehow figured out that you just got to take a breath and realize yeah. that a, like an op, the next opportunity is going to come to you soon. Yeah, right, right, and just trust right. that that's going to happen, and that was such a big development. And after I graduated, actually, after I stopped playing lacrosse um, through business, I was uh, I was connected with somebody who uh, is a CEO coach, and he actually got me into meditation, which is why um, you know mm-hmm. I, I I saw your tweet about the mindful athlete, and by far meditation was something that I absolutely wish that I had learned when I was in high school or in college, because everything that you said are exactly the things that I learned from meditation, right? Like that it's not about the end result. It's about the process that you need to be focused on the small things you need to realize you have to trust the process, right? Those are all things that you learn from meditation. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that would have made me a better athlete and a better competitor when I was in college. If, if, if only because it's going to control my what's the right word here um it's gonna it'll give me a better ability to control my reactions to things you're less emotional you're less out of control right 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 and yeah i think i've i've made that part of my pregame routine it's just lying on my back and Mm -hmm. you know doing the inhale one exhale two just counting up to 10 and visualizing the game you know how the you know, when I put my jersey on, when we walk down the field, you know, what end are we going to be shooting at first? Um, right. You know, and you almost play the game out in your mind beforehand. Mm-hmm. That way, when reality hits, you're, you're a little bit more relaxed, maybe, and comfortable with it. Um, right. Absolutely. But I, I would say, too, and just to add on to, to my point, just about, you know, again, like not scoring in the first quarter, I've come to realize how I, I think 
people are, are maybe quick to judge, let's say an attackman based off of how many points he scores in a game or how many goals mm-hmm. he scores. Right. But like, there's so many other things that you can do to get in into the game, like quote unquote into the game. Like right. go pick up a ground ball, go get a ride back. Like, Right. Go set a really good pick. Go communicate to a teammate and set him up in a position to score. And when he does score, like you should take as much gratification from that as you do, it, you know, if, if if you score your own goal. Um, right. Obviously, you know, if you play a whole game as an attackman and you're not scoring any points, like you know, we've got to figure something out. But it's like it shouldn't just be like I need to score, I need to score, I need to score. You know, right, um, right. Yeah, I'll 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 take that a step further is you should focus on the things that you can control, right? Right. Scoring exactly. A, scoring a goal is not necessarily something that you can control, right? Cuz there's a lot of factors that go into it, right? Getting an assist, same thing. But you can control how, you know, how hard you break out, right? To to you know yeah. to to be open for your face off guy coming down. You can control how quickly you right. get back to be in position for a good ride, right? Those are all things that you can can control. And then the game sort of comes to you. Um, so I think you're, you're right on. Um, well, listen, man, I, uh, I feel like to your point, yeah. we could talk about this for seriously yeah. five hours and, you know, you are the coach at Utah. Um, so we will definitely have to have you back on the show um, to talk about your coaching career and about Utah yeah. that's going D1 next year. Um, but before I let you go, there's one thing that I've asked every coach and player who's come on. Um, what are three things that everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It, it doesn't have to be just lacrosse. Wow. That's a loaded <laughs> question. Tough um, question. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think um... – for, uh, so number one for me, I guess I'll, I'll start with, with break a sweat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, specifically if, if you're an athlete, if you're a lacrosse player, you got to be working out, you know, and, and pushing yourself physically. If, mm-hmm. if you don't play lacrosse, um, you know, there, there's still just been so many studies that show how great exercise is, is for your, not only your physical body, but your brain as well. Right. Um, you know, I, I think um, it's something that, uh, the people that I, I surround myself with, I'm, I'm constantly pushing them to, to, you know, push themselves in their workouts and, and break a sweat. Um, wow. Every day, huh? I guess we'll go lacrosse specific here. I think you should have your stick in your hand every day. Uh, whether that's five minutes of wall ball or 50 minutes of, of shooting and, and repetition. Um, you know, I think again, if you look at some of the, the greatest players that have ever played, they're not the best athletes. They're not the biggest, fastest, strongest, but you know, their, their stick work is, is incredible. I look at a kid like Connor Fields, um, the Albany attack, and that just, just finished his incredible career. And, um, you know, he, he looks like your average Joe, he's probably five eleven, you know, one one seventy. but right. the things that he can do with his stick work, um, is, is absolutely incredible. So, mm-hmm. For a lacrosse player, just the more touches, the more reps you can get with your stick, I think the better off you'll be. Um, right. And, wow, numbers every day, huh? Uh, how about give <laughs> thanks? Um, be grateful. Yeah. Um, 
you know, something I, I try to do every day. I can't say that I do it every day is, is write down three things that I'm thankful for. Uh, and they could be something really, really small and simple. They could be deeper, um, maybe on, on a more personal level about your family or your loved ones. Um, right. I think that's important. And then, you know, when you look back on, on that journal, if, if you've done it maybe twice a week, you know, you, you have over, you know, 60, 70, 80 things that, that you're grateful for. And, mm -hmm. um, you can look back and read through it and I think they'll, they'll make you feel good. So, right. um, gratitude is one of our pillars at the university of Utah. We have, we have five pillars that, that are, are programs based off, um, humility, honesty, passion, gratitude, and trust, um, mm -hmm. serve as the pillars of our program and, and how we interact with each other. And they have nothing to do with, with lacrosse necessarily. Right. Um, those are, are just really important pieces to, to what we're trying to do and build young men out there. So, um, yeah, so three things. Break a sweat, play some wall ball, and be grateful. I think those, awesome. would, those would be my, my three pieces of advice for anybody. That's perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, <laughs> cool. uh, Marcus, thanks a lot for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we will definitely have you on in the near future to talk about uh, Utah and coaching there. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot. Of course. Yeah, Joe, I had, I had a blast. Thanks for talking with me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Uvoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential, all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better. <laughs>